as we come before the Lord and the Holy Spirit's at work in our life, there's a couple things. Either the Lord's crazy or we are. I mean, His ways are just so beyond understanding. Jeremiah, you know, talks to us. I believe it's Jeremiah. He says, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. And as we, you know, it, it's, it's so easy to forget that. And a lot of the songs we sang today just brought that back to remembrance. And, you know, one of the last songs we sang, it says, He's searching my heart. I said, oh, God, don't do that. You know, the scary thing is, is we were, you know, the, I think the Holy Spirit was speaking us to us this morning. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot of jerks in church. A lot of sinners, God's called. You know? And there's, there's, a, there's a doctrine called utter depravity. It's a Lutheran doctrine. And I don't know too much about it other than what works in me. And the more I walk with the Lord, the more undone I seem to know I am. The more I need Jesus. Not the less I need Him. But see, again, as, as, as normal human beings, we think as we grow, I become more independent. I become more knowing. I would, I would actually have less need of Jesus than I did when I was younger. And we see this actually work out in society and in children's life. You know, they really love parents and being taken care of when they're young, but then independence starts to grow. The same thing happens in us. The love of many would, can wax cold because we again go back to what we've been saved from. We start to rely and trust on the arm of flesh and we trust in ourselves. We speak the words, but Jesus may be far from me. I need to under, work with the power and the, the, the resurrection life that now works in me. It's easy not to see that. So as we grow, we don't want to grow far from Him. I need to actually grow closer to, to, to Him. And even so, like we've been talking about, we're talking about the love of God and, and Peter. Peter after, I mean, we kind of, I, I don't know about you, but we would think it would be a lot different. How many people ever thought, boy, I wish I was there when the twelve were around? Oh man, if I was only there. We kind of imagine that it would be much different. It's not. It would be no difference. It would be the same faith that would have to operate. Actually, maybe even more. To actually have someone say, yeah, I was, I was born of a virgin. I'm the son of God. And you're going to follow me. Everybody's going to hate you, think you're a cult. And then eventually I'm going to be killed and you're going to be left alone deny me. What? Wait a minute, that's not, that's not what I was talking about. See, what I really was talking about, I'd like to be in the whiz-bang-pow and, you know, be in the inn. Well, Jesus is not, not in the inn in this world. He suffers outside the camp, and that's where He's calling us to. But in order to, to serve Him and have a, the, the fellowship with the resurrection life, we, we're going to quote again, to obey God, I have to disobey myself. And this is a constant wrestling that goes on within me because... The sin nature, the Adamic nature in me is so trained to be disobedient and so trained to be um, without faith that when I actually act disobedient and I actually act contrary to faith, I believe I'm right. And I begin to then argue my case. Arguing your case takes place where generally? In a court which means you are under the... Oh. Wait a minute. How did I get from here? Now I'm before the judge saying, let me present my case. The reason that Christian, Christianity is so 
unreputationable. Because Jesus said, the Bible talks about in Hebrews, we should not have a reputation. Is because it's not based on the argument of self-justification. It's based on faith and love, which can't be justified. And as soon as we then start to justify my actions, where did I end up? No longer at the faith and the mercy seat. I'm before the judge and I become a doer of the law. Therefore, I'm condemned. But the, the faith that speaks on this wise, he saved me. There is no justification because there is no argument and there is nothing in you that produces it. So, Lord, when you search my heart, I said, oh, God, don't do that. See, I used to think when God would search my heart, he'd finally clean it all up, and then maybe in a few months, back when I first got saved, I thought a commitment was three days. I thought, wow, three days. Wow. Finally brought it up to a week, month. Then, you know, get married. Oh, wow. Stuff starts happening. You know. I thought after a while that God would search my heart, clean it up, and then I would be, I'd be clean. And what would that really be saying? I don't need him anymore. And sometimes we've said that to the situations that the Holy Spirit brings in our life. I once needed, put in the words. We begin to despise those things which the Holy Spirit is trying to bring us closer to the resurrection life that's in us. And this is where the fight goes on because disobedience and um, lack of faith, what's the right word for that? Unbelief is so natural to us, we, we lean that way. But I have to continually fight the good fight of faith. I have to fight the good fight. There's no argument. That's why Jesus, that's why it says about Jesus when he was before his accusers, they were arguing. If you were the Son of God, prove it and do this, and we've seen that. What did he do? He wasn't a great arguer. He wasn't a great lawyer. He was before his accusers, dumb as a sheep. Because it, was no, it wasn't anything he could argue for. It was because he loved God and it was by faith that he was giving his life. One place that Jesus was, he went to heal the, the woman, the, late, the girl that was dead. And he put everybody out of the room. And what did he say? She's sleeping. What did they do? They laughed him to scorn. They mocked him and ridiculed him. He was a man without reputation. And when you're acting on faith, you're, you're not, you're gonna, it's going to be easy to be ridiculed. And you're not going to have a great comeback. When Jesus was ultimately doing what God the Father had wanted, the ultimate plan of God, the ages, the secret that has been hidden from ages and generations was now manifesting in Christ, the Son of God, incarnate, hanging on the cross. He was going to become the propitiation for, of the sins of the world. He was going to reconcile all mankind back to Himself. He's ultimately taking the sins of the world. He's fulfilling God's purpose. And they mocked Him. And what did He say? Nothing. Beware when you have an argument. It may not be motivated by love or by faith. Oh, it'll make sense. Adam and Eve had a great argument. Their argument is flawless. The tree, all the facts were right. There was a reason why they hid themselves. Common sense saying, we're naked, God's coming. We don't want to be ashamed before God. We had to hide ourselves. The argument is correct. God understood it was no longer by faith that works by love. See, without love, see, we're talking about love, 
faith that works by love. And many times we don't have the faith because we, our love it grows cold. I don't want them searching my heart anymore because I'm tired of being black, and I don't mean that. But actually, I'm only, you know, not so bad. We don't want to get into some racial jokes. Okay. And sometimes we just get tired of having to need Jesus. Peter, do you love me? Don't want to hear any more arguments. Don't want to see you taking the disciples fishing. There was none to be nothing more Peter could say at that time that he gives his whole life to Jesus. Love, we talked about Oswald says, love, the, the, the love of God will make me be crazy. Paul says, when I serve God, I'm beside myself. The king says, King Agrippa says to Paul, you're, 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 too, too much learning has made you what? You're crazy. No, I'm in love with Jesus. I'm in love with him more now than, and I see the blackness of my own heart. God calls me. So when I'm singing that song, it says, what did it say? Look into my heart. I went, God, don't, I just started to break. I said, God, I don't want you looking in my heart. But the amazing thing is, you know, he looked into each person's heart from ages immemorial and he looked down and saw the blackness and the wickedness and the hatred and the sin in each of our hearts. But his reaction wasn't like mine. He doesn't have an argument. Boy, I would die for them, but. Those guys, but. God, I'll do it, but they better. No argument. He looked down the quarters of time and saw the blackness of our heart and said, Father, just like Isaiah, send me. I'll forgive them. I will love them. Even though I know what's in their heart. I think a few people were sharing this morning. Sometimes we look out and we calculate. Oh, you're a jerk. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Agree with your adversary quickly. Agree with the law. The law is coming. I got stopped the other day. First time in a long time. Mercy of God. God was really merciful to me that day. You know, I, I, and I'm not, I, I know people think that's a small thing. That's where I live. I live in the small thing. I like small things. You know, I, I like to go to a place and if they, you know, go to a restaurant, they know it's your anniversary or your birthday, they bring you a cake. Sometimes I like to just talk when the waiters around saying, oh, it's your anniversary, huh, huh? But <laughs> it's the little things that trip us up. So I got, I got, I'm coming under the underpass. I was going a little fast. And I saw the cop and I immediately knew I was caught. So I put my suit back on. I slowed down. Do you realize what the law does? The law always brings conviction or condemnation. Even if I'm going 55 and I see his cop, you know what I immediately... I mean, it's a natural reaction. My foot gets off the gas. It doesn't matter. I know I'm guilty of something. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter. I just know. You know, you, get, you don't get me on speeding... It's going to be something else. So anyway, I, I pull out and I, you know, cop pulls out and I'm going slow. And I, so I make the first left-hand turn I can make. <laughs> and he's there. So I turns the light on. And my window doesn't open. <laughs> so I kind of, he stops me and I, I open the door and I stick my hands out like this. <laughs> and I said... I'm telling you, this is what goes on in my life. 
Yeah, it's a good thing I wasn't wearing my Pakistani outfit. <laughs> Just said, Allah Akbar! No. <laughs> Would have got the ticket. I go like this, and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, my, my window doesn't open. I just, you know, he says, that's okay. I said, I just, I just wanted you to know, wanted you to be at ease. He said, that's okay. I kind of knew, knew, the, knew, knew, the, knew, the, knew the officer who stopped me before. <laughs> <laughs> we go way back. He knows me from the post office. <laughs> That'll take a little while. Anyway, <laughs> this has nothing to do with the message. He says, um, do you know why I stopped you? I said, yes, I'm brown. <laughs> no, I didn't say it. <laughs> I said, yes, I was, I was probably going fast. He says, yes, you are. He says, do you know how fast you were going? I said, yeah, I probably was going about 35. He says, you were going 39. <laughs> he says, you know what the speed limit is there? I really didn't tell the whole truth there because it changes 25 to 30 right in there. Depends on how much prophetic you were wanting to see. I said, I'm, I'm about 30. He goes, no, it's 25. I said, you know, you're absolutely right. I know I was speeding. But I just got done working with Pat. I'm covered with, uh, we're, we're doing some demolition. So I maybe wasn't as brown as usual. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's really being, it's kind of funny to be able to talk like that. When I was a kid, you couldn't talk like that. If you did, you got beat up, made fun of. Because you were brown, you get beat up. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's not a bad... Anyway, okay, we're going to move on. So anyway, we got... So I said, um, I said you know, you're absolutely right. I was speeding. I, 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 you know, I'm sorry. I mean, but I'm just, I'm just a mess. I wasn't paying attention. He says, well, you know, you just need to be... I said, you know, you need to slow down and be more careful. I said, you know, you're absolutely right. I sure will. He says, now just slow down. And uh, I said, thank you for your consideration. And I peeled rubber and got out of there. <laughs> no, I didn't peel rubber and get out of there. I said, thank you very much. So that was very... And I said, wow, that was really merciful. That was the mercy of God. I mean, I knew I was speeding. He knew I was speeding. The law knew I was speeding. You know, I was in there, a place where kids were too, all that kind of stuff. But I said, wow, God was merciful to me that day. Yeah. And then we, when the demolition we were working, the roof didn't collapse. Mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy. So what, what was I... I don't know why I was telling you that story. Just the mercy of God. And sometimes I think we... It's, it's easy to miss God working in our life it's just so it's so easy to be hard-hearted and not to walk in love and as Oswald said love of God is going to cause us to be do strange things like maybe go to the cross maybe not maybe stand there like a sheep that's dumb maybe actually come in contact with the resurrection life maybe actually deny ourselves maybe actually like have the joy 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 how many people had a hard time singing that song this morning not not because of the melody but because of the meaning We've been so, I don't, I, don't, I don't have anything to be joyful. Well, that's what, see, the Word of God, remember, what, what is the Word of God according to James? It's a mirror. But it's so easy to forget what we see. It's easy to go, wow, that's ugly. But we want to sometimes bring out the other mirror. Remember the other mirror? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Well, Victor, you've sure grown. You're really doing pretty, you actually know the Lord pretty well. The Lord would never kill you for eating of that tree. Look at it. Oh, wait a minute. Does that sound familiar? Oh, wait, you're really not so bad. You've actually grown some. I haven't grown any. I haven't grown any. I'm utterly depraved like Jeremiah describes, like Jim used to preach. Now, Jim had had an ability to be... He was kind of chunky. 
you know, and <laughs> it kind of felt like Santa Claus. People would like, you know, you hug him and you kind of sink into him. <laughs> it was kind of a nice thing. But he would have a way of saying things that if you're not careful, you might not hear what he's saying. He said, I am nothing and Jesus is everything. That means there's nothing good in me except Christ. I can't grow in righteousness. Jesus is my righteousness 100%. If I fast for 40 days, if I give my body to be burned, it's going to profit me nothing unless the love of God and Christ has redeemed me. But it's easy to fall back on works because then, again, my nature is rebellious. I really don't want to hear that name. I don't want to hear the Gospel. And that's where I need to become obedient in love. And so, as, as, as you know, the love of God is going to make us do things that there's not going to be any argument for. It's just, Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. There's days that I have no argument for that. I can't prove to you Jesus loves me. There's thoughts that I have. When I look into my heart, I see wickedness. Jesus sees the same wickedness, but He's motivated by him, someone different. He's motivated by the righteousness of God. So he sees all that you see and more. And, but his action is different. And it's that resurrection life that's in us. It's Christ working in us that as we work with that power that works in us, it straightens our life. doesn't make us better, but we begin to walk with him. And I was thinking about this. A lot of times, you know, we, we read that uh, scripture, the sower went out to sow, and the cares of this life grow up and choke out the true riches. Now, I, this morning as I was, I was praying and thinking and stuff like that, I got to talk about what I was praying about too. A lot of times we think the cares of this life are just like cares of this life. But a lot of the cares of this life could actually be service to God. Because most... Most of this Bible, most of this Bible, if not all of it, well, not all of it, because we do have a hope of eternal life and things that go beyond, but most of this Bible has to do with this life. How we interrelate. How we are to do this. How we are to pray. How we are to preach. How we are to act. How we are to work. How we are to serve God. And sometimes the cares of this life can choke out the true riches, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We're so busy serving God that we miss Him. The Pharisees were in that place. They were so consumed with knowing God, they couldn't know Him because they took it upon themselves to do it. It was no longer by faith that they were serving God. It was by argument or by the law. And by the works of the law shall no man be justified. By the works of the law, no man can come close to God. It's only by coming and saying, Lord, I need You today in all things that I believe to be right. I want to be naked before You and unashamed. Can we be naked? Can He look into our heart? Can you look into somebody's heart and see the ugliness that Jesus sees and say, Lord, they're righteous because I lay my life down for them. Righteousness doesn't come from you. It comes from somebody else. So God is going to put people in your life that are jerks, that are wicked, that are going to rub you the wrong way so you can make them righteous by laying down your life. We're waiting for them to be righteous. They can't do it. You couldn't do it. You needed Christ. And it was going to be Christ in the church. That same Spirit working in us.
that same way. So the more we get to be with the Lord, the less reputation we should have. We're going to be mocked doing God's work. And you know who's going to be doing the most, the biggest mocking? Yourself. The first reputation you need to lose is to yourself. Like I said, you know, I'm glad. I want to start being happy about that my life didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to. Most of my dreams that I had have been smashed. Whoa, there's some mothers and grandmas. Oh, that poor little boy. Smash him. (laughs) Jesus looked, I think, the prophecy to Mary. I think Jesus, who was it? No, the, the prophet said it to Mary. This is your son. He's going to break your heart. There's going to be a sword that comes through there. She couldn't understand it. But she continued to move by faith. Faith is going to bring us to places. Love is going to bring us to places where you don't understand it. And if you lean unto your own understanding, you will miss the Lord. Even though you will be able to argue every point like the Pharisees, there's not going to be the love there. It's not going to cause you to come outside of your own argument, your own ability to say, well, the tree is good for food. Uh, Make me wise. And... um, it's good to look at. And now that I know that, I know what, how to serve God. He's coming. I'm naked. I won't be naked before Him. All perfectly good arguments. There is no love. There is no faith. And God had to judge us. And we continually do the same thing. Faith speaks on this wise. Yes, Lord. Not yes, because. Yes, I understand it. Common sense understands. Faith does not understand. It says, Amen. And begins to move in love. That's why marriages fall apart. That's why society is falling apart. Because it doesn't make any sense. Remember, the, the, you know, the 60s. There's a, there's a phrase that was coined. Now it's become part of the society. If it feels good, do it. Wow. Well, so far I haven't found much that feels good in Christianity. Not, not in the natural. And I, yeah, well, Why is he preaching like that? Well, I think Paul said it. If in this life alone you have hope, you're picking the wrong religion you're going to be most miserable. And what's he say? If, if, that, if, if you're looking for hope just in this life, if you're looking for common sense ways, if you're looking to figure out God, if you're looking to have your own reputation, if you're looking even to have your own reputation with Jesus, if you're looking to have it all, if you're looking, which we shouldn't be looking anymore. If you're looking just in this world, it'd be better to eat, drink, and be merry. Oh, well, who then could possibly get saved? It would be impossible. The only person that can save anybody is the Holy Spirit, is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only one that can reveal the Father, and it's in His timing. I used to thought I, I used to thought I was searching for God. I had books, searching for God. I, I did, you know. I had every couldn't find Him. Paul might have been the same way. Thought he was serving God, couldn't find Him. I don't know how old he was, forty something years old when they, when he had that revelation. But in God's timing, He was going to come. He didn't explain himself. It went beyond Paul's understanding. Paul was serving God. I mean, the God of the Bible, at least in his mind. It's the love of God that passes. But how many times do we come up with argument about what we're doing in God? That's exactly where he wants to meet you. That's exactly where he wants... That needs to be crucified. That needs to be disobeyed. As long as I have a reason to serve God, you're not serving him. I've been thinking about this. I woke up, I've been having a bad time lately because I live with myself. You think it's bad just being around me. Could you imagine never being able to get away? 
I mean, I know it sounds funny, but it's, I'm serious. I mean, I go to bed, I'm there. I wake up at 3 in the morning, I'm there. You know, I, I'm just there. I got all my trials and stuff. And go, oh boy, he's, you know, no, it's worse being me. But I've been having, you know, all these, my thoughts just kind of go. You know, having to build a house and this, that, and the other thing, and doing all this crazy stuff. And, and I've been thinking, you know, and then, then this morning, about 3 o'clock in the morning, I just woke up and I, I'm, I'm sweating. I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to do this. I'm actually, when I wake up, I start praying, you know. And I, you know, I realize, you know, I'm not, nothing to be worried about. If it all burns, it all burns. It doesn't even matter if I get anything. I mean, I know all these things. How many people know some stuff and still act wrong? Yeah. See, knowing is, and even believing is no assurance that you're actually doing it. You might be looking in the mirror and go, boy, I'm sure a sinner. Keep sinning. No. Oh, then I need to empty my common sense and actually start practicing. Jim talked about that. The word talks. Practice the word. I can only do that by love. I can only do that by faith because sooner or later it's going to come. I might want to go back fishing. I may not want to let somebody else crucify me upside down because I don't see any point in it. I think I'd be better off serving God. And we're going to look at God. When God calls us, He doesn't call us to a general like call. You're just called of God. God always calls us. This is a little preview because it doesn't look like I'm going to get to it today. We're going to be called to and into and for a vocation. There's always a vocation. God doesn't just say, serve me. Abraham, would you like to serve me? Get up and here's your vocation. Noah, here's your vocation. Even with Adam, he creates Adam and immediately almost the first thing that he does is call him to a vocation. And it's because he doesn't love God enough. Independence rises up. Common sense rises up. Faith is put aside. In the breaking of his vocation, he disobeys and not loves God. And it's our vocation that constrains us and actually works in us. We're going to talk about Ephesians 4, for, for the perfecting of the saints. Without vocation, there can be no training. And that's why it says, make your calling and vocation sure. Elijah, he, was, he wasn't called to do a to finish all the work. None of the prophets were called. As a matter of fact, Hebrews says, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, because there's something greater that God has prepared for His church and for us. They were only doing a partial work. But it was that partial work that God had called them to do, and it was going to be there, going to be judged for that partial work. That's where their love and faith would be exercised to God, insomuch that when Moses smote the rock, God said, you can't go in. Why? You didn't fulfill the vocation. You couldn't love me enough to get past some things. It's the vocation that constrains us. Without vocation, the fivefold ministry can't work. Without vocation, there can be no discipleship. There needs to be a calling, like Elijah goes and kills his ox and burns the yoke, and he's called to a vocation. He wasn't going to be the Savior. He wasn't going to preach the gospel into all the world. He wasn't called to raise everybody from the dead. He wasn't called to... He was called to make fun of the queen in one sense. And that's what he was judged on. We're not judged on all of it. As a matter of fact, if you try to do all, you miss. Because sometimes the all actually will come in conflict with the vocation that you're supposed to be doing. And at some point, the Holy Spirit said to Jesus, go to Jerusalem. 
and he stopped the general work. Matter of fact, that's why they got mad at him. You need to come to Samaria and start preaching and healing. I can't. I've got a vocation, and I love my father. Well, you're not doing this. That's not my call. At some point, I've got to decide, because if not, I can do just about everything. And, you know, some people here are really into sports and stuff like that. We like professionalism in America. It's all your fault. You know, football. You don't have football players. You have a center. Do you know what the center's job is? Come on, stay with me. Do you know what, how many people know what a center is? Okay, we got it. Does anybody else know what a center is? Well, I'm smarter than most people in football. The center is the guy who hikes the ball. That's all he does. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, his primary job, yeah, yeah, we're going to get to that. But I mean, he's not the quarterback. He's not the end. He's not the halfback. He's not the forward. He is the center. And the guy gets pummeled every time. I mean, at least in my neighborhood, nobody wanted to be the center. He, all he does to train, you know what, he doesn't train about the quarterback's job. He could care less what the quarterback does as far as his vocation. He could care less what the end does. He doesn't, he, you know, he never practices to go catch a pass. Even though catching a pass is important. It's not his job. And if that idiot went out to catch a pass, he'd be fired, lose the game, and called on it. Well, I was just doing, that wasn't your call. His job is this. How many people know any... Does anybody know a famous center? Okay, we have one guy. And look how old he is. <laughs> how many people... I, I, I stopped watching sports way back when, so the only famous people I know is like Joe Namath. Does anybody even know him anymore? Yeah. Joe Namath. He was what? All the, all the football cards back in the 50s... I, that's what cards I had. I wasn't born... I wasn't alive. I was alive, but anyway was the, 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 the you had the, the quarterback in this position. You had the running end. This wasn't the big collectible card. But without that man doing his job, you wouldn't have. If you want to do everything, you're going to miss God. He calls you and he's going to constrain in you and conform in you by the vocation, Adam. By the vocation, Paul. By the vocation, Peter. What are you doing fishing? Can you serve God fishing? Not Peter. And there's certain things that you're called not to do because of your vocation, Elijah. There's certain things you're called not to do, Rechabites, because I've chosen you. There's certain things you're not going to be able to do, Noah, and your children, because I've think about Noah this morning. I said it to my wife. I hate rain. Because it seems like every time I'm trying to do something, it rains on my parade. Literally. And, you know, I mean, I like rain, but I'm trying to build a house. I don't want my house getting wet. Building materials getting wet. I have solar electricity. It doesn't work when it's raining like this. And I'm going through it. Wind blows. I'm hoping something doesn't blow. I thought about Noah. I thought, wow, if I'm really going through it, I wonder what, what kind of a time Noah had. He knew who built the ark. His boys. And it says, the fountains of the deep. I mean, that boat was rocking and raining. I'm, I wonder if he was waking up 3 o'clock in the morning. Well, he was from Mesopotamia, so we're kind of related. 
And so, you know, he's going, wow. So I felt, you know, he said, I don't need to feel sorry for Noah anymore. But. So anyway, we're talking about fulfilling. God, what do you have for me? Stretch out your hand. I'm going to have you killed for my glory. Well, I wanted to... How about going into... That will do what I asked you to do. See, if, if every, each part of the body did everything, it wouldn't work. Could you imagine your stomach trying to see acid? It can't do everything. It does one thing, and that's what it's created to do. And as the body, I need to know where God has placed me and get on with... And as soon as he hikes, like you said, this comes, this, this comes the worst. I never wanted to be the center. It's just a bad position. I wanted to get the center. We learned how to hop over the center, kick them, you know. So, but it was like no one wanted to be the center. And usually it was a big fat guy. Finally, we played with the Pine Street Gang, and they had a center. We were not centers. And we went around that center. We had to go around that center. But the center, immediately after he stops, he knows as soon as he hikes the ball, he's going to get pummeled. And he's in one of the worst positions to get pummeled. He's, he's got to get that ball to the quarterback. And, and the quarterback gets all the glory. He hikes the ball and immediately has to take punishment. He doesn't hike the ball and go out for a pass and say, well, it says, it says in the rules I can catch a pass. Not your job. He does that twice. And he's done. His contract is gone. This is, this is my desire to worship you. Hut! 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 That's all I do! Aren't you glad your stomach doesn't decide one day? You know, I kind of feel like I'd like to be the head. Because, I mean, the head is a good thing, and it's, you know, I understand it's, 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 it's in the Bible. Not what I called you to do, Elijah. Not what I called you to do, Micah. Speak, you see. It's not what I called you. So in, only in vocation can I find a way to serve God. We have, you know, we have a lot of centers in the Bible. We have the, 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 two pro, the two prophets. One was a guy, one was a girl, one was a lady. She was a widow. She'd been fasting and praying in the temple. Her whole job was to hut, hut for 40 years, waiting to see the Lord. Couldn't she have been doing something better with her time? Yes, yeah, she could have made a great argument. Argument is of the law not of faith. She had nothing to... What are you doing here? Why don't you get married again? Why don't you go here? Why don't you go take care of... Why don't you raise money for the poor? All those things. I have to be silent. God's called me. I have to have no reputation to myself. See, if you have... If you can take reputation in yourself, it may not be the Lord. Oh. So just some things to think about as we're going through here. Lord, my ways are not your ways. And it's too easy for me to rely on my own understanding and common sense than faith. Because faith has nothing, doesn't have an answer. It just says, Amen. Amen. So as we're looking into our hearts, say, God, don't do that. And so many times we look into somebody's heart, which isn't too hard to see, and we, we see it. That's, not, that's, that's good. That's what God does. But his reaction is, I'll lay my life down for them. That's love. I can't figure it out. Don't understand it. That's faith. That's love. There is no argument. There is no comeback for it. This is what God's calling us to do. And it's when we don't understand it. When I could call down 12 legions of angels, which most of us probably can't, we don't, we don't relate to that. We don't have to put up with it. I don't have to come and do this anymore. I think I have a better idea. You have all those rights, and though, let this mind be in you. 
Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus who had a right to do it all and said, I love you, Father. I put that all aside. I don't want to eat of the tree even though it would make me wise. I don't want to do all these things that I think I could do. I don't want to go out and catch the past because you have called me. I have all these things I could argue. But I want you to wait and watch for a baby I'm sending into the world. How many people don't mind being patient for about five minutes? I don't mind even you know, being you know, under some heavy stuff for a day or so, knowing that there would be an end. But these all died in faith, some of them never seeing deliverance. They died in what? Faith. Faith made them do something that normally would not be done because they heard God and they loved Him more than they loved themselves or what they thought they could do and serve God. It's God, I lay my life down and I trust that you're able to raise it from the dead if need be. I would like to, I would like to, I see I could, I could, this money could be given to the poor, this could be done, that could be done. You've called me. Here's my arms. What would you like me to do? Die for you? That's not a normal reaction. But in Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Oh, it's about loving you and having your way in my life, not my way for you. All of us would be Pope otherwise. Some of us don't have the nose for it. You'd never make it. Yeah, not common sense. So let's turn to Matthew, talking about the love of God. We made no progress. Oh, no, there's, an, there's another song. There's another song. I knew there was something else. So look into your hearts. When you see the blackness of somebody's heart, you have, a, you have a vocation. Jesus actually said it another way. Hut, hut, hut. Jesus said, if someone sins against you, what should you do? Forgive. Seventy times seven. Well, you know what? When Jesus first said it, you know, his disciples acted like we do. If someone sins against you, forgive them. Like I said, five minutes, I can do that. And so they were looking for an argument. They were looking for a justification. How often should we do this? How many people have, have, have pushed to your limits of forgiveness? Pushed to your limits of love? If you haven't been pushed there yet, you will be. Because if you're going to do it, it's not going to glorify God. It's not going to glorify God to know you're naked and to fix your own problem. It's not going to glorify God to, to sell the money and give it to the poor. It's not going to glorify God to persecute the church. It's not going to glorify God to be independent. What's going to glorify God is Him having His way in you, and you love Him so much, you stretch forth your hand and say, Lord, do what you want. I have nothing to say. I, I'm a, I, I have no reputation to myself. I look like an idiot to myself. And I'm willing to do that because I love you. So they said, well, how often do we have to do that? How many of you have been just doing this too long? I forgive them. They just never learn. Well, duh, God was telling you that from the very beginning. They're never going to get it. I have to continually working in them. That's the mystery and the miracle of the church. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory, not you getting it together. And you thought you were going to get it together. You had hope in yourself. It's a bad argument. They said, well, how often do we have to do that? And here comes the kicker. This is going to be the one we can't do. Do it every time, all the time, to everyone. 70 times 7. That means to the end of the earth. Keep doing it. Hut, 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 hut. You know what? Today I think I'm going to go out for a pass. No, I fight that thought. I fight that thought. How many people thought they could be a better quarterback? 
then that, you know, he, he, never, he has those thoughts. He probably doesn't get paid as much as the quarterback. Well, God puts us in places. So, yeah, so what do we got to do? Well, I'm called to forgive. It's not a natural act, is it? Some of us are naturally more forgiving than others. I pity you because God's going to have to push you past that. See, I used to be, like I said, I used to be a giving, peaceful, docile person. Literally could turn the other cheek, give away all my goods. I, and God would have to push me past my ability of righteousness so that he could be established. I began to think about this. I'm just sharing, you know, from my, not only preaching the gospel, but sharing from my own soul. I was thinking about this as I go through things. Lydia made a, a statement one time in Vaughn and it stuck with me. I said something. I wasn't being mean or sarcastic or anything. I was just being me, which is mean and sarcastic. <laughs> and Lydia turns to Grandma and says, does Grandpa like anything? And it was like a revelation. I mean, it's not that I hate stuff. It's just like I'm just not motivated in, in a lot of different ways. Now, in some places, that's good. In other places, it's not so good. I think there's things that we have to be motivated. Otherwise, we would just sit and meditate and wait for Jesus to come back, which, you know, be okay with me. But I was thinking about that because God puts us together as he sees fit. Now, don't take this as a license, Christy, because I still would be mad at you. But Christy makes me or teaches me to like things. Now, that might not be a revelation to you, but it is to me. Otherwise, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be motivated to, to build a house. I might not be motivated to go to Vaughn. I wouldn't be motivated to start a church in Wickenburg. I might not be motivated to... Oh, is it annoying? It's annoying is everything. Because, you know, I'm, you know I'm, happy with a, I'm happy with the house that we have. Uh, you know, I'm, I would have been happy with a square house. People come and say, what is that round thing? I said, that's my wife. They said, I said, why is it so tall? That's my wife. I just blame everything on my wife. I learned it from Adam. But who gets to do it? Just like Adam. Okay, Adam, you blamed your wife? Good, now you're in trouble. <laughs> so I'm just throwing some stuff out there. But the next song, or the first song that, that we, we started, it says, um, the fountains, when I near the fountain of water. Yeah, every time, say, say that again. There's a fountain I know. Wow, okay. Okay, this side first. <laughs> There's a fountain I know every time I am near it. And I realize that a lot of times I don't come near the water. There's a fountain I know, but how many times does he lead me beside the still waters? Am I near the fountain? I began to think that sometimes I'm not near the fountain anymore. And then the scripture from Jeremiah came to me. I believe it's Jeremiah. Correct me if I'm wrong. And don't say anything if you don't know. <laughs> That's why it's good to know scriptures from the, the Old Testament and obscure books, because you can sound very smart and nobody really knows. Don't quote from John. Most people have that memorized. You know, <laughs> no, you got that wrong. I'm quoting from uh, Zephaniah 2.8. Oh, well, man, the guy's smart. Yeah, they don't know. Yeah, <laughs> they might have Larry look it up. Then we'll throw him out of the church. Okay, so then we... So, Jeremiah says, you've committed two sins. Is this Jeremiah? 
You've forsaken the fountains of living waters. I thought, oh, you know, it's so easy not to come near the fountains of life anymore. Kind of remember them. You know, remembering certain things can actually be bad because we refuse to grow past them. In Corinthians, we didn't read it. I'm going to read it right now, last week. We're not going to get a lot read this week either. Corinthians, what we talk, I've been t- talking of that scripture about growing up. And it's interestingly found in the love chapter. And it's really interesting as we start to read it, uh, the whole chapter, it has nothing to do with anything I think about love. It's not about me. It's not about anybody taking care of me. It's not about anybody feeling sorry for me. Not anybody sympathetic to me. It's not anybody understanding. It's not anybody holding my hand. It's not... It's all about me having to do stuff. Yeah, did you read the same chapter? Yeah, love suffers long. I'm out. I don't do that. Especially for you. How many, and, and isn't that the gospel? It says some would act, some, no one would die for a sinner. But the love of God, for God so loved the world that what? He died for you, not for himself. Don't quit expecting to get anything out of it except an affetin. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's, you did what I asked you to do. There's not going to be a reason why to do it. You might have to actually look ridiculous to yourself. You're going to be mocked doing the work that God has. And you know who's going to be doing the mocking? Yourself. And who do you think? Why don't you just come off of that cross? Why don't you show them what to do? You be... God, I don't know why I need to stretch forth my hands, but I remember I love him. I trust you that you're leading me. Yeah, but what about can't you be the court? That's not my call. My call is to stretch forth my hands and to let someone else lead me. My call is to build an ark. No matter what the need is over there, I've been called of God. Elisha said, go away, Elijah. There's a prophet school over there. They're doing a good work. I've heard God and I love Him. I'm going to cleave to you. And that worked in him. The purpose of God. So love is going to cause me to do things totally outside of myself. Totally outside of myself in the real realm. The cares of this life realm that sometimes can overwhelm us. Actually, the church and the cares of this life. The church really... Well, as far as it's revealed here, we know there's a church of work cut up and in in the other side. But it's to, the, the the instruction is to the church here, and sometimes it can over, the cares of this life can overwhelm us, and the things that God wants us to do. But sometimes we we don't come near the fountains of living waters. And Jeremiah says, "You've committed two sins. You've forsaken the me." the fountain of living water. It's easy to forsake it. And like I said, it's easy. It's, sometimes we have nostalgic recall. Childhood always looks great looking back on it. I can actually tell you, I have, I have several holes in my head. And you go, yeah, I knew that. No. I have several major scars from my head because of things that I did. But when I talk about them now, I mean, there was blood coming down my face. I had to get stitches. One got infected. It was gross. Got, I got smashed up fingers from having a uh, truck door smashed on. I got scars. and I have scars all over my body from stupidity. 
hope there's somebody in the same case. But when I talk about it now, I can show the kids, ah, they get hurt, and I go, ah, that's nothing. See this finger, it's smashed. I got this. Oh, you, you got it. Some of my kids always have rocks in their head. <laughs> and I say, well, you feel this. See, I've got, I've got something. This nostalgic recall. And sometimes we'd like to think, oh, I wish I could go back to the fountains of living water that were like this. We're never going to be able to go back. There's a coming and a knowing of Him that grows. And there's things that we have to let go in order to move on to know Him. We move from faith to faith. Sitting over here where Jesus once called me, because that's what Peter did. Jesus once called me when I was fishing. Maybe it'll work again. No, Peter. I'm still here. I'm still the fountains of living water. But that faith was for yesterday. Do you love me today? The river, fountains of living water. You know what a fountain does? It doesn't just make a pool. It And it flows. Like a river from heaven, it flows. It flows. It means you got to, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm following that river. Not going to be the same fishing. Not going to be the same, oh, that emotional charge. But it's going to be knowing Him. It's going to be knowing that resurrection life that's in Him. Two sins. We forsake the fountains of living water. And you've dug out cisterns. You know what a cistern is? like a brethren. <laughs> a cistern is a pl- like a, it's almost like, a, for lack of a better word, a cesspool that catches runoff from the mountains that you can drink the water. Here is the fountain of living water. You forsook this. And you said, you know what? We can dig our own cisterns. I got some knowledge now. I think I, how many people know what they, they think they know what God wants? You're not the, if you're the center and you're not doing the center, it doesn't matter what you know. You're forsaking the living waters and you're drinking out of the cesspool. Muddy runoff with excrement in it, mud coming down. Has to, it's not the same. Or you can survive on it. It may not be sin, but God is saying, well, it is sin. He said you've committed two sins. You've forsaken me and you're doing your own thing. You're drinking from your own hand works. You're drinking from your own knowledge. You're drinking of those things that have run off the earth. They're not me. Or they might keep you sustained but I have rivers of living water. And we want to be every time I am near Him. In order to be near Him, I'd have to forsake my own works. I want to forsake that and say, oh, but it's not going to be the same as the fishing experience. First time Jesus comes, it's, wow, Peter, oh, there's, and it's three years later, he's gone through some stuff. He's aged a little bit, but he's even more than that, he's grown some. Jesus has changed. He understands and, uh, you know, sometimes there's, an ex- there's a natural excitement that's really not the Lord. It's just excitement. It's kind of like if someone goes, boo, you get scared. It's not like, whoa, that's the Holy Spirit. It's, you know, it's just there's stuff. Like, and sometimes even when God moves in our life, depending on our age and where we're at emotionally, there's, whoo, that was the charismatic movement. Charismatic movement was all about, whoo, I feel it. Well, God sometimes lets you have feelings. That's for babies. When you grow up, love chapter, charity never fails, love never fails, prophecy fails, tongues fail. Again, things of this life. Well, what about this? What about that? It's going to pass away. There's three things that remain. Hope, love, and faith. Get grounded in those living water. Get grounded because the center has a work to do. Faith, hope, and love. It's not necessarily those things. It's God, what do you have for me? For I know in part, 
How many people know something? You only know this much of what you think you know. We talked about that. As we're growing, wherever state of life we find ourselves, we think we know a lot. When kids start talking, it's like, wow, I can talk. and I can pick my nose. I can ride a bicycle. We think we've attained. I can... And sometimes in the Lord, we think we attain some knowledge. You only know in part. That's not, and knowledge is not faith. It's the love that passes understanding. The love that passes knowledge. Oh, it's good to have knowledge. But you know what the what Bible teaches me about knowledge? Knowledge makes you proud. You're going to actually have to fight it more and more. And actually, if you don't fight it enough, God might send you a demon to help you. What? God's going to send me... Now, see, Paul had to get over his rep, own reputation. He'd cast out devils. He'd healed the sick. He'd raised the dead. He's established... He knew the doctrine of God that God would not tolerate a devil. He knew that Jesus called him to cast out devils. He knew that God called him to heal the sick and raise the dead. And when Paul asked God to do what he was supposed to do, God said, that's not who I am! Know me! I've sent you a devil because I love you, and if I didn't, you'd be so proud I'd have nothing to do with you. And Paul dropped his doctrine and his knowledge because he only knew in part and came back to love and said, so be it, hallelujah, then rather than complaining about it anymore, hut! 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 I've heard from God. His grace is sufficient for me. I don't have to be, God needs to cast out devils. I don't want to do that today. Thank you, Lord. No argument there. Why isn't he doing it? Because he's God and he loves me. Oh. Yeah, but did you come before the judge again with your, did the lawyer come out? Let me present my case. Paul said, I presented my case and God said, my grace is sufficient. Therefore, I say hallelujah. Every day. Every day. Oh, Lord, help us. We know in part. So if you think you know something, you're probably at best 99% right. I mean, I'm giving us... Yeah. But you could be wrong. Oh. Well, let this mind be in you. Jesus was 100% right and chose to be wrong in his own sight. That's love. Love isn't proving your point. Love isn't being right. Love is forgiving 70 times 7. Oh, that might work in me. That might cause me to swallow something. might cause me to exercise in faith. But when, I, when that which is perfect, which, what's perfect? Jesus. Love. When that comes, everything's going to be done away with. Your knowledge, your doctrine, your, your ideas are going to be... We're going to be so ashamed. Every mouth is going to be stopped when we see Him. All our arguments, all that we thought we were doing is going to be, Lord, I was wrong the whole time. When that which comes, when I finally realize I have been called to hut the rest of my life for Jesus, when I finally come and realize that I love God and He's going to take me and kill me, when He loves me enough to send me into all the world to preach to God, when He loves me enough to put me into this body in Wickenburg, when He loves me enough to challenge me with a tree of life and death, when He loves me enough to come in the midst of the garden, when He loves me enough to call me to a specific work, and that's what He's called me to do, when I love Him enough, I'll say, Thank you, Lord. Pass another board. Let's do it. No, well, I wish I could be, and I saw, I remember when God... No, Childish! Childish adventures, not based in love, not based in the knowledge of God, not based in the resurrection life. It's time to go to Jerusalem where I'll do my greatest work. Well, what about these sick people? What about that? No, I've called you. Hallelujah, Father, send me. 
you will have to hate your life. Jesus said it, and we don't believe it. You continually, well, I don't see it. You're not going to see it. God made it so you don't see it. And that's what Hebrew, uh, Matthew 11 says. He chose to hide these things from the prudent, the wise, and the smart Alex. And he said, that's great, Father, because only those that love you and only those that I have called to know you, only those who are here by faith will say, yes, Lord, there will be no argument. There will be no conjecture. There will be no ideas. There will be simply, you are Jesus. That's why I do this. You died for me. You live in me. So be it. But if you have to have a common sense reason, you have to understand why you're not being motivated by love or faith or by any other works. You're not a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're just... Well, just like anybody else, except we're doing it religiously. That's got to go. When the, that which is perfect, the things that I thought I knew in part, that I thought I knew, knowledge puffs up. Knowledge, it says, with much knowledge comes much sorrow. Have you made, I mean, when I was a little kid, I heard things about Jesus. Wow, Jesus, I just love Jesus. Wow. And then I, I remember the first time I heard about the rapture. And I said, wait a minute. I remember after you're saying this, I said, what is that? I thought we just were saved, we die, and we go to heaven. Oh, no, no, it's not that simple. And I remember this guy trying to explain all this stuff. Now, I believe there's a rapture. I believe there's a time for extratology and all that kind of stuff and things like that. But I don't know anything about that. I leave that up to God because he's called me to go hut. That's what he's called me to do. I believe those things. I can't explain them. Don't know anything about them. Do you know why? In God's infinite wisdom and love, he, ta- he, he wanted not to tell me. Yeah. Have you been wanting God to tell you stuff? He says, I'm not telling you. Could you? I wonder if Timothy and Paul had this kind of conversation. Excuse me, Apostle Paul. I know you wrote in the Bible that you didn't want to tell the people about the revelation you just saw, but we're kind of tight. What do you think? Can you tell me? No. Oh, you don't love me. You don't trust me. No. God said no. That's all. Got to get through some stuff here. But that which is perfect, which we thought we knew in part, will be done away with. If you're grieved, you might have too much knowledge. You might be trying to fill too many jobs. You're not that good. I mean, I'll just say this because I, sometimes I come up with some nice sayings. I don't know if they make any. We're called the vocation. When somebody asks you, where do you work? It's different than what you do. See, you might be a Christian. That doesn't answer what you do. That just says where you work. See, I know lots of people that can work in the same factory or the same place and have different jobs. Oh, Christian is not vocation. Christian is the righteousness of Jesus Christ being imparted to us. I've just been brought into the factory. Now he's going to train me like he puts in the members of the body. See, when you go to the doctor, he says, oh, you're just sick. What does he say? Where does it hurt? What is the problem? And he doesn't just give you medicine. He gives you medicine for your liver. He gives you medicine for your heart. He gives you medicine for your eyes. Or he might just tell you you're getting old, shut up, and just put up with it. Where do you work is different than what you do. See, Jesus learned obedience by what he did, not by who he was. Who he was led him to do what he was called to do. And just because we have been called does not mean I love him. Because in the loving and the doing of what I'm called to do, 
I become in fellowship with the suffering of him and the resurrection life. I learn obedience through the things that I suffer in doing what I've been called to do. I have to put down wanting to be bitter at the quarterback. I have to want to put down not getting credit for winning the game. I have to put down all the other things that I could be doing and just learn how to hike that ball and learn how to put out my hand and learn how to deny myself and love him by faith. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Goes on quite a bit more. But simply, it's time to grow up into him. Now, I'm not talking about growing stodgy, old, and bitter. There's a place to be, you know. Like I said, I love being around little children because I can really then act myself. You know, I can use them as an excuse. And uh, I don't know if you noticed Anna today. She's a little, little sorry today. But most of you know, you know, in, in, in the old country, <laughs> when you dance, you, you know, you, you wave your, like this. And so I was singing with some of the songs we sang were really good today. So I was waving the blanket like this. And pretty soon we kept singing it. I noticed Anna after a while. She's waving the blanket. Now, see, if you didn't know the story, you thought she might be rude. Might. You have to be able to interpret everything by what, by the context of the story that we're living in. See, but see, I, I was able to just, you know, be a little child. Now, as you grow old, you should be a little child. But there's certain things you need to put away. You know, I mean, I'm not saying, oh, I was playing with Anna and I went to the bathroom in my pants. It was so cute. That's sick. <laughs> It's one of the greatest. I think that's why the Lord makes that. I, I, I just don't understand it. It's kind of a crazy thing. There's, when I was a child, I was, you know, there's a time that excitement wears off. There's a time that I do what I need to do because I love Jesus, and I don't get the feelings. I don't get the understanding. I get the, I'm waiting here for the Messiah. God's called me to do that. So we need to put away childish things. And some of those childish things might be the things that Paul had to put away. Well, God said he would heal me. God said he would do this. There's something greater. When that which is perfect comes himself, we need to be able to hear him. Not drinking out of the waters of the cisterns that I have. That I thought, well, I've dug this and this is what I collected and this is what I know to be true. And it's No. Put that away and draw near unto me the fountains of living water once again. And it's going to cost you to hate yourself and to have no reputation. You're going to have to be fulfilling God's purpose. And everything in you and every run around you is going to be mocking you, laughing you to scorn and say, you're the son of God. Who do you think you are? You're the devil. And all you can do is love God. And you know what God's going to say? That's my son. I'm fulfilled in him. Not going to look like you are. But don't trust the part that you know. It's going to be faith, hope, and love. And when our love grows cold, our faith cannot operate. So we want to draw near to the fountains of living water. Now, to the message. Amen. Yeah. We're going to talk about vocation. Jesus actually talked about... I'm, I'm not going to give you the rest of the message, don't worry. But Jesus actually said it. He actually relates to vocation and the kingdom of God. Once laying hold to the plow, don't look back. That's vocation. That's a work. Once you've given, given a work, that's your work. Don't... Oh, I wonder about... Wonder about wonder, 
this is my work. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, so we're going to look at vocation, and then we're going to look at vocation in the church as far as the equipping of the saints. And that needs to be settled so I can be able to hear him and start saying, oh, because if not, I come back to arguing. There's always, there's always an objection. Peter had an objection when Jesus is speaking to him, giving him a revelation. You know, you're going to, when you were young, and what is, John, what, is, what is Peter's response? Well, what about him? He's not doing it. And what is Jesus' answer? None of your business. I'm talking to you. I'm calling you to love me the way I want you to. doesn't matter if I look what I want to do with him. This is what God wants to do is, do you love me? Well, you're going to have to come outside of yourself. You're going to have to exercise faith. You're going to be a man of no reputation. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I just pray as we pray for the children that we would learn to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen.